Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, morning, everyone. Welcome. Um, if you are visiting, <laughs> watching from afar, thanks, Jim, uh, for that word as well. Very encouraging. Um, I want to just share with you really um, one subject, but I want to just say briefly what led me to that as I was thinking about the year to come. Um, what will it be like? Is 2020 still going to be with us for the next three months? Probably. Um, so we'll all have a New Year's Eve party once we're all vaccinated and out actually being able to touch people. Um, <clears throat> that sounds strange, but... Um, but I, I started to think about this and I really felt that, um, that there's... I'm trying to keep it to the point this morning. Um, and my first point is this, is that I really believe that this whole pandemic has stirred up a, a real recognition or a, a crying out in the world for a saviour. And I don't believe that they know what he looks like, uh, but nevertheless, I think that there are certain things that are stirring people's hearts. They need some saviour and they're distracted by all the things that are going on on the surface. It could be maybe people moving into poverty because of losing work or they've been in poverty or addiction or materialism or selfishness, hurt, pain. All these things, hopelessness, are all surface level things that are reflective of a deep need for a saviour. And, but as I said, the world doesn't know what a saviour or the saviour looks like. And, um, and I really believe that the church is or should be the living pictures of God's saving grace um, displayed through proximity, uh, care and love. And what I mean by that is, is that um, we need to be around people in order that they may see the saviour in us through our lives, through our care, through our love, through our display of Jesus. And we know that the pandemic, one of the biggest impacts has been social distancing and keeping away from people, not being able to go into people's homes. It's going to be one of the most challenging things. And I think there's something is being stirred there in people's hearts um, and lives of a desire and a need to be with people. And some people are just doing that anyway. Um, but we know that the majority of people are doing what has been asked of us, which is stay away from people. Um, and that's why churches aren't meeting, etc., etc. as you know. That's the first thing. The world is crying out for a saviour. The second thing is the gospel in the hands of the Holy Spirit changes lives. And what I mean by that is, is that I think that there is also a real stirring up and people are really being practical in their help in serving people, in helping people. You can call it social justice or whatever. Um, and it is an important aspect. It's a biblical notion of serving the poor, helping those in need. It's a very important part of the, the Christian life. But I think there's a stirring here of, of looking and helping and wanting to help people, to care for people, provide, to support, to be a listening ear, to, to have a walk with people, to be a helping hand. Um, and, and that whole stuff is a means to help people see the gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't the result. For the Christian, we are called to help people, but that is not the saviour of people. Jesus is the saviour of people. And as I said, caring for the poor, widows, orphans, very biblical, but we must never stop at care and always having our hearts 
the need for the gospel to be shared, for people to meet Jesus, uh, because in Jesus is salvation. So, you know, I've been thinking about these things. There's a cry for a saviour. There's a need and an opportunity for the church to care and love people practically. But at the root of that is there's a need for the gospel to be shared in the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus to be made known. So as I was thinking about that, what um, I felt led to speak on this morning was this, that I really feel that, um, and you know, we will see, um, that hospitality will be one of the most powerful expressions of the church this year. And uh, one of the great lacks, as as I said already, is this simple ability to just share a meal with someone. Um, we can, I hope you've enjoyed your Christmas and your New Year's Eve parties, but probably, if I'm right, we've all done that within our own households, our own bubbles, uh, maybe even on our own, I don't know. But uh, some of you maybe have just ditched the New Year's Eve uh, kind of thing, like most mature people would, um, in my view. But, but we as a family, had a lovely time as a family, I really enjoyed Christmas just as a family. That's no comment on my wider family, but I enjoy just being with my family. We had a good time. I enjoyed being with my family New Year's Eve and just being, um, spending that time with them. But I also love spending time with other people and I love sitting around the table eating with other people. I love talking with other people. And hospitality, That um, even when we talk about the hospitality industry, which is closed down at the moment unless it's takeaways, is affecting so many people's lives, not just in terms of jobs, but in terms of losing out on that simple sitting around having a cup of tea with someone. We just can't do it at the moment. And the way things are going, um, it looks like whatever tier five is, is probably shutting down the schools in the next few weeks as well. Whatever, whatever happens, it seems that um, this hospitality, this ability to sit down and eat with people has been affected. And, um, and when I say that hospitality would be um, one of the most powerful expressions of the church in 2021 is that the church is called to be hospitable. It is called to do it. And it is biblical. And I want to talk about that and show how biblical that is. It, it requires a response from us. It requires us to prepare ourselves for when we can and that this year may be where God is going to move so powerfully, and this isn't a new message, I've been saying this for years, is, is in homes where people are invited round to have a coffee, or even in coffee shops, fresh ground or others, where you sit and you just talk. And that's where God is going to move and God is going to reveal himself to people. And as I said, you know, culturally, this is there in the country or globally that we have lost And I think there is going to be a real desire stirring for people just to want to connect with us. And we have this wonderful opportunity to be those living pictures of Christ. They may see their saviour in us. And if you take the, um, the, the book of Luke, Luke, who focuses on the humanity of Jesus in his writing, uh, whereas John would focus on the divinity Um, Luke, particularly on the servanthood of Jesus, I guess is more specific. But ten times he mentions how Jesus would meet people around meals. And so I'm just going to, just to prove it, we're not going to look at these verses, but you can go through Luke chapter 5, 
verse 27, there was a banquet at Levi's house who will become Matthew. Interestingly, with tax collectors and sinners. Um, chapter 7, 36, you had dinner at Simon's house. There was Pharisees, a guest, and then you had, it's believed, Mary, wasn't it, that came in, Mary Magdalene, and wept and washed his feet with her hair. Um, Jesus put on a great banquet in chapter 9, commonly known as the feeding of the 5,000. Um, in chapter 10, um, Jesus spends time at the home of Mary and Martha, so it's implied that they would have eaten there, and we know in other stories where Martha was busy preparing the meal while Jesus was was talking and sharing with others. Chapter 11, 37, dinner at another Pharisee's house, amongst other Pharisees and and lawyers, Sadducees, I guess, maybe. Uh, Chapter 14, a Sabbath meal at a Pharisee's house, amongst another bunch of Pharisees and lawyers and and others. Chapter 19, in the old, um, the, the Bible story of Jesus coming, and seen Zacchaeus up the tree. And I always, always thought Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down and come in round your house for tea. But I think that was just the song. Uh, but he says, you know, I'm coming round your house. And again, it's implied that he went round there um, for, for hospitality, for food. Chapter 22, the last supper that Jesus had with the apostles. And interestingly, majority of all these meals he had with people that he wanted to share the gospel with, Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners, lawyers, all people that needed to know the truth. Um, only these, these odd times with Mary and Martha, which, who were believers, and then the apostles, and this is after the... Um, so you've got chapter 22, you've got the Last Supper, chapter 24, breaking bread um, with the two disciples that you walked down the road to Emmaus with, and in chapter 24, he eats a meal with his disciples there, after the, uh, um, the resurrection. And, uh, and when we, so you start to see that Jesus employed hospitality as a key part of his life and a key part of his ministry. It was a fundamental part of the way that he taught and how he lived amongst people. He would do that around the table. And I want to suggest this as well, and you can tell me what you think about this if you want. I want to suggest that the table, or a meal around a table, is a window into the kingdom of heaven. And again, Luke says this, he recalls two parables in chapter 14, a great banquet and a wedding banquet. And um, first of all, the teaching is give without need for reciprocation. Uh, in fact, shall we look at that if you want to? I'm going to read, read that just so we can get some of the scripture in rather than just calling out verses. So this is the teaching, chapter 14, verse 12. He said uh, to the man who had invited him... Um, <clears throat> When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So the teaching there was, you know, invite people who will not be able to give back for what you are giving them. Invite those so you can bless them um, as people who have need. And that's, that's the, of the second parable. That's the kind of general teaching. But then he tells his parable of a man 
who gave a great banquet and invited many. Um, and he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I must go and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, um, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. She won't let me. Um, that's not in the Bible. That's in the message version, everyone. Um, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant says, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited shall taste my banquet. And, um, and what I mean by this window on, on the kingdom of heaven is, is much like this, is that the, the call of salvation is a call to a banquet. And uh, the invite goes out, but the invite goes out to everyone and God is saying, I want everyone to come. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your situation is. You know, the poor, crippled, um, uh, what else does he say? <clears throat> Um, I've lost it. Blind and lame, yeah. Um, go into the city streets, go out into the fields, go everywhere and tell everyone, I want you to come and enjoy a great banquet with me. I want you to come and enjoy the blessings of my table. I want you to sit at the table with me. And so when we invite people around the table with us, we take that role of, of God, as it were, of, and saying, come and eat, and let me bless you, let me give you a, a window looking, that this is a picture of the gospel call of coming into the kingdom of God, of God's blessing. And so when we're inviting people into our home, we're inviting people into our care, into the presence of God, um, I hope you believe that in your home, there's the presence of God, um, invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good through our actions and through our words and we're showering them with blessings and we're inviting them with no requirement that they have to give anything back. And, um, and, there's, and when I'm talking about this not giving back, there is something about fellowship, let me just say this as an aside, when we did our open home, we all contributed, but when there was a guest, we never asked anything of them. And there's something about family, isn't there? Church family, we all contribute. But when someone comes in who's a guest, we wouldn't ask anything of them. We want them to feel that they can come as they are. So we're modelling the gospel, the heart of God. There's another wonderful picture from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 14. Um, this is 26 to 29, which I'm going to read. It's about tithing. And I think sometimes we... Um, forget these things or whether you've even known this that tithing the whole principle of tithing keeping a tenth of all that they had um, whether it was their cattle or all that they had produced and that was to be for the Lord and um, and, he, and he said at the end of that year take those that stuff take it to where the name of the Lord is, is you know where the Lord tells you to go probably where the temple is or, or where the tabernacle was um, and if you couldn't, if you had, Lord have blessed you and it was long distance, cash it up, take silver and then go. And it says this, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep 
or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion of inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourn of the fatherless and the widow who are within your town shall come and eat and be filled. And the Lord your God may bless you in all the work that your hands, uh, of your hands that you do. In other words, God said, all that which is mine, I want you to feast and enjoy and buy drink and food and just have a big banquet and then invite the Levites, invite the poor, invite with your house and just enjoy it in my presence. So you get this great banquet. You get, you know, God loves a great celebration meal. And there's one thing I'm really looking forward to doing as a church. When we are able to come and do this in the, in the way we want to is have a big celebration meal. We come and we're just cramming this building, just eat food together. You know, and I want to put that on our agenda, the first thing we do when we can, and I'm going to enjoy that. A big bring and share food, and we cook a whole cow or something, I don't know. Um, uh, I've not cooked a cow, I've done a pig and I've done a, a lamb, but I'm sure Darren will help me uh, when we did the lamb, we'll cook a cow or something, and we would just have it here on the fire, and we'd just say, God, come. And that's another story. But God loves a celebration meal. God loves it when we come and celebrate and we come and eat together. Other verses in the Bible show us that hospitality is to be modelled by the elders. In other words, the elders are to set the tone of this. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 2, it says about hospitality being in the... Um, uh, um, the requirements, yeah, of the elder, yeah. Titus 1.8, to set the tone of it. John even writes in 3 John chapter 9, talks about a man called um, Diotrephes who did not open his home to Christian brothers that John had sent. In other words, he wasn't hospitable. And um, in the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.20, a famous verse where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And the issue here was is that Jesus wasn't allowed in the church and he wanted to go into the church and eat and have, a, and have this great um, sit around the table and just eat and enjoy this banquet with, with God's people. Um, but when we start, and there's, we could go on into other verses um, when we don't show hospitality to others. But here's, here's a couple um, hospitality should be a normal part of the Christian life. 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 10. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, oh, these people come round, they eat all my food, drink all my drink. Romans 12, verse 9 to 11, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, 
love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Well, a list of great things there, and right in the end there, and seek to show hospitality. Don't wait for hospitality to come to you. Seek how you can open up your heart or home or your time that you can spend where you can bless people and sit around the table with people. When we first started our missional community, probably now about 10 years ago, I reckon, um, with Tana Nanja, Constantine and Lena, we, we very soon developed our community life around the table. We would just eat together on a Friday. And then we started to invite people. So we started with our three families. And then at times we might have included some Bible study in there or some worship, which we were trying different things. But mainly we just got together and we just ate together. Um, and if there's two families that you want to eat together, it's Tano and Angela and Constantine Lena. Um, the food is pretty good. And then uh, we'd invite people. And then one couple or one person would come. And I always remember, and I say this, was one of my most favourite times, was, was one summer. We'd even had a bouncy castle because Benjamin had had it from his party the, the night before. And we had 50 people in the house um, with the barbecue going. And it was, I'm just looking at thinking, yeah, this is church. Majority, if not half of those, weren't, if you like, part of the church as we would traditionally think. And it was this whole sense of just being able just to be with people and enjoy people. You know, it's wonderful to be able, and I trust that you're connecting in in community groups or just connecting with others. Uh, having Bible study together is a fundamental part of what we should be doing, going over scriptures together. But sometimes we only really know people by what they think about a Bible passage. How do you really know someone? until you're sitting down and you're sharing stories about your life and who you are, where you're taking a walk with someone and you've got time to spend with people. And I think that's where, you know, our chit-chat times are great. It's a bit like on a Sunday, when you, if only you ever see people. When we used to meet together, you could catch up with someone on a Sunday and you say, how's your week been? But you can never really go deep until you're sitting around a table. You know, hospitality in the Greek is the word philoxenia, which means love of strangers. Hebrews 13, 1-2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Um, I wonder whether you've ever entertained an angel. I heard a story recently. I don't know if you'd be interested in this. This is the, kind of like the other way around, so it's not necessarily helpful to what we're talking about, but it's interesting about this guy who was a missionary in Africa. And he was, I don't know for whatever reason, his car broken down, he had to go to somewhere and he was stuck on this road and then someone turned up and said, oh, you know, are you, do you need help? He said, yeah, I need to get to this town. He said, oh, well, I'm going there, do you want a lift? He said, that'd be great. So he said, look, I've, I've, got, a I've got a room in a hotel, do you want to take you there? And then you can see if you can get a room overnight and then you can see what's next. And so he goes into this hotel with this guy and this guy says, do you have any spare rooms? And he says, no, we don't actually have any spare rooms, but your room is a, is a twin room. So he said, you know, do you want to share the room with me? So the guy says, I don't really know you, but okay. He goes up, the guy um, pays cash, this 
guy who turned up to pick up this missionary guy. Pays cash his room, they go up to the room. Fortunately, the beds are all separate, right, apart. So, settle down for the night, and in the morning wakes up, and he's on his own in the room. So, he goes down to the, he gets dressed, goes down to the reception area, and he says, uh, you know, oh, where's the guy that was in the room with me? And, and the, the person on the desk, who was the same person who was there, you know, the night before, he said, he said, what do you mean? He said, the guy who came in, he spoke to you, we got the room, paid for cash, he said, he says, sir, you came in on your own. And uh, nowhere to be found was this person. And in that moment, he realised that he had been with an angel. Incredible. We never know who's an angel when we open up our home, when we care for people. Yeah. Have you also thought about this? Have you ever considered the link between the word hospitable and the word hospital? There's some links there if you want to look at the Latin or the French, and it's very similar. You know, and I, Jesus employed hospitality as an important part of his mission. And what, what if we saw hospitality as an important part of how we bring a space where people can find healing? I, I heard it said, I think it was Sean that said that he referred to Calvary Road Community Group as the hospital. Wonderful. You know, where you're just welcomed in, where you can just come in as you are and be and find healing. And that's, this, there's a very similar word there. You know, someone who has an open home generally has an open heart. Um, and this is interesting when you think about mission and again, just turning it round because there will be other people that want to open their home up to you and so they have an open heart. And so when Jesus sent the 70, he said to them and he said, important part, these are my words, important part of your mission strategy is you find someone who is hospitable. So he says, you know, go, when you go into that house and they receive you, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the labour deserves his wages. And so he, the idea there being he found people who, if they're hospitable, they're more likely to have an open heart, open home, open heart. And so Jesus saw it as an important part of his ministry. It was an important part of his life and we had to follow in his footsteps. It's an important part of mission, of loving strangers. It's an important part of church life, of loving each other. Um, it's an important part of really getting to know each other. But what are the obstacles to being hospitable? I have a few. I'm sure there's more. The first thing is this, is fear of being ourselves. <clears throat> um, and what I mean by that is our unwillingness to be honest with ourselves and our brothers and sisters. And, you know, uh, I wonder, I think everyone would love to be open and honest and authentic with one another, but there's something in them. If people really knew what I was like, if people really knew what I thought or how I actually lived, then, um, you know, my struggles, my doubts, my fears, or even some of my activity, they would even think me an unbeliever. They would never accept me. They wouldn't love me. I'm pretty sure if they knew the kind of stuff that I watched on television, they, you know, if they saw the state of my house... You know, something like that gets in their minds and they just don't want anyone to see them as they are. And this fear robs them of this wonderful benefit of being with other people. Ecclesiastes says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. That's why we need to walk together with others. 
that when we do fall, and the chances are we will, there's someone there who will lift us up, who will encourage us, who will remind us the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, to get back um, onto the right way and to not hold back um, in our worship, in our love of God, because we are in some way um, dealing with our sin ourselves or our shame or whatever. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. And so, you know, we need to be a church that is governed by love and grace in the pursuit of holiness. And uh, I want to say that again. Um, We are governed by grace and love in pursuit of holiness. Some people say, you know, may think that if you're all grace, that would mean that we're no longer being righteous, that we're just giving in to sin and allowing sin to operate because of grace and just got to love people, love covers a multitude of sins and things like that. But what I mean by grace and love in pursuit of holiness is that we realise that by being gracious to one another, loving one another, it will lead to holiness. It will lead to strengthening people, helping them to walk right before God Thessalonians says this, this is 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. So love for one another leads to an establishing of holiness in our lives. Increased and abounding love for one another leads to holiness. And so, listen, if you are holding back out of fear of, I wouldn't want anyone to see me, and I'm not talking about the state of your room. We all have messy rooms. That's easy to be done, uh, to dealt with. You clean them up, it's easy. But I'm talking about your life, even your home. You don't want people to see you and see what your home is like. It could be pride. It could be all sorts. Leading on to my next thing. Um, maybe one of the ob- obstacles is actually, simply, is selfishness. Being hospitable requires giving up your time, food, drink, money, energy, with possibly and probably nothing in return. Um, and in this busy world where we are easily tired, drained, and we're just longing for entertainment and rest, or we long for a night in rather than to entertain someone. Um, you know, and rest is really important. I've spoke about that many times. It's important that we find rest. You know, just refer to what Jim said earlier. You know, finding rest in him, in Jesus. You know, finding rest physically, mentally, spiritually. But I still believe, when I look at my own life, which often can be quite busy, I can always see space where really a lot of that time is just for me. And that is not necessarily a good thing. There's good rest and there's just wasting time and using time for our own selfishness. Um, And this is easy. As an extrovert, this is easy. I quite like being with people. Um, I'm borderline introvert, so I often do like to escape sometimes. And I'm quite happy on my own. I'm quite happy to be on my own. But I know for introverts, this can maybe more challenging because being with people will drain you more if you're an introvert, whereas an extrovert is probably one of the ones who's draining you um, of all your energy. Um, but we need to find in the Lord the, you know, and see the joy of God's mission of being 
um, use of him, being the pictures, opening up the windows of the kingdom of heaven by being with people. When you have that vision, you know why you're doing it, and it's purposeful, then <coughs> God will certainly help you in it. There was a time when I wasn't up for hospitality at all. Jana was. I was quite reluctant. I was much happy just to just be at home for myself, home being my castle. This is my space. I don't need to see anyone really. Quite happy. But I'd say that we are being blessed so far more by the people we've been with in the church, outside the church, believers, unbelievers. Continual blessing. And um, and I said, you know, we have to maintain rest. It's biblical. Rest, prayer, waiting on God, doing the things that God wants you to do, spending time with your family, having a Sabbath rest, all these kind of things. But there's equally, we can find time where we can spend time with others. The third thing I want to talk about, so we've, we've said about fear, selfishness, and the third thing is materialism. You know, though we uh, say we worship God, the clean carpet is up there pretty high as well, isn't it? When we had open home, I decorated the, the hall and I made the, uh, our lounge, I made the, a big mistake. I painted my walls with matte paint. And uh, up to this point, I don't know if you can see that, up to waist point on the walls, it was just dirt from children's fingers. You know, I bought a new sofa, tried my best to keep kids off it. All you need, it's, it's on their hands, it's on their face, they dive, they touch things, they, they come into, they sit on the floor with food um, and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, and they come in and they can just ruin things, they just mess things up. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, at some point you've got, and they run around, they run around and around in this little bit, they slam doors, they make noise. Um, I, I long for the old days of children should be seen and not heard. I don't, not really. Um, but the wonderful thing is, is that they create such an atmosphere of family. I'll tell you what, I'd rather have dirty walls than have a quiet house that's just nice and pristine and lose the, that sense of family. And that's a question we need to ask ourselves. If you really want, you know, to truly to have people to come and feel at home, and then we have to realise that the stuff that we bought, the materialistic things, we're going to have to realise, maybe you're going to have to put them in another room. You're not going to be able to put that in that private place. You're going to have to be aware that some things get broken, dirty, and, and it's all part of the, of the price, you know, Rosaria Butterfield, and I've, I've just ordered her book that I'm going to read, which is called, if I remember it correctly, it's called The Gospel Has a Door Key. And I'm going to read it and I will tell you about it. Um, but, and she said this, the bottom line is this, if your white carpet is more valuable to you than the souls of your neighbours, that's a problem. So I want to ask you this really, looking forward We've got maybe three months at least before we, anything will particularly change. But what can we do to start to prepare to be a church that loves to sit around the table with others? You know, um, practically, and I was a bit late to this because I didn't really think about it. There's a few other reasons. But I, I started to repair my decking because it was rotten underneath and I'd decking up. And I've just finished doing the decking, just finally finished off some final um, things, just ordered a fire pit. I've ordered a sail which will go across for if it rains. 
because the first thing, as soon as we get down to tier three, I'm like, right, my garden's open. Um, we we'll sit out there with a the fire with up to six people. Um, and that, you know, I'm thinking, this is a great opportunity. I love going for walks. I uh, went for a, a couple of walks this week, one with Jana, um, one with uh, um, Daniel. Well, we both went, Daniel and Louisa. Socially distanced, just to let you know. Um, but I'm just thinking, what can I do? What can I do within this climate so that I can then, then entertain people? Um, maybe we need to get our house in order. Maybe we need to think a bit about what could we do if we can, and not everyone can, um, but we need to think about things. We used to, when we had our open home, we used to have certain rules. The first thing was, if you want a drink, you can make yourself a drink. We said to guests, said, look, here's the tea and the coffee. You know, we'd make them a drink when they first came. But after a while, we'd say, look, you've been here more than two or three times. You can make yourself a drink. You go, there's the cupboard, there's the cups, there's the milk. You make yourself at home. You can make yourself a drink. You know, offer out to everyone else if they want to have a drink. But we also said upstairs is, is, is off limits. Kids' rooms, off limits. Um, they were close to other children, unless our own children invited them up. But we kind of said, no, don't do that. You know, keep down, keep downstairs where we can all be together because we've got a duty to protect our children if you've got children, um, but also give them space to retreat when they, when they need it. So what can you be doing in your home? Is there something you can think a bit about in your home, ready for when you can open up your home? Um, what do you need to go to the Lord about? Maybe something's touched you this morning where you thought, you know what? I would hate to open up my home because I don't want people to, to uh, ruin it. Well, maybe that's something you need to take to the Lord and say, Lord, is there something there that needs to be uncovered, something there that needs to change? Is that right that I should be thinking like that? You know, uh, or your time or whatever. Whatever my, um, I trust that the Holy Spirit is, is um, just touching in your life, go to the Lord about it. Don't get guilty about it. Don't get condemned about it. That's, you're missing the point. It's about God wanting to form in us that life of Christ, and we need him to do that. The other thing I think is start simple. You don't need to put on a banquet. You can start with coffee or cake. You can go for a walk with a flask. You can, you can start being someone who just picks up the phone and says, let's catch up, let's go somewhere, where can we go? And again, when we drop down to tier three, there's places you can go and sit outside for cups of teas, um, you know, we can, you can go for it, as I say, walks, things like that. But sometimes we think it this big thing that we, you have to be like this amazing host. I tell you, you welcoming people into your home with a nice cup of coffee or instant, if that's what your thing is, um, you know, a cup of tea or Earl Grey, if you're really serious, um, is enough. Um, start outside the home. It's great to invite people into your home, but probably when you just meet someone, they're not going to want to just come round your home because they're going to be a bit conscious. I don't know you, but maybe you say, you meet them and say, look, do you fancy going for a, a coffee? We'll meet for a, a coffee in El Park South where there's a cafe. We can sit outside. You know, there's things that we can do or when we can, get back into cafes or Fresh Ground or Costa or Starbucks, whatever your thing is. It's a safe space for you to meet people, we can be practicing hospitality, um, even when you're not a homeowner. Maybe you're someone who lives with someone and it's not up to you who you have around or you don't feel that you've got that flexibility. Um, you can do things outside the home. And finally, I want to finish with this, a really important thing. One thing that we found when we were opening our home regularly to people that we particularly didn't know 
was that we needed to pray. We needed to pray for us, to cover us and our family, pray for the home, pray before and after you've hosted people, pray for your guests, pray for authentic relationships with people. And I think that's a really important point. This isn't about seeing how many people you can get in just purely to get people in. It's about, Lord, will you open up authentic, real relationships with people? Will you lead me to the right people um, so that you can really use your time effectively? So 2021, I suspect people are longing for connection, open to hospitality, and the hospitality of the church is infused with God's heart. It's a window to the kingdom of heaven, we are living pictures of, of, of the saviour that they're searching for, even though they don't know it. But when we're people from within the church and outside the church, we'll be longing for connection. And so we've got this opportunity to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing for a song. Worship band will lead us. Father, I just want to thank you that you have opened up your home in that sense to us. Lord, you've welcomed us in as we are. Lord, you've given us, as the parables tell us, a new set of clothes. Lord, you've, you've, um, you've welcomed us at your table. And Lord, I want to pray, Father, that we will be prepared as those who are open hearts, open homes. Lord, as much as we are able. Lord, will you lead us? Will you create those opportunities for us. May we, as your scripture says, seek um, to be hospitable. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you for all that you are planning, all that you are preparing in this year ahead. And we look forward, Lord, to major change. Believe in these next few months, Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that we do things rightly, Lord, that we will be a good um, witness to those around us in the way that we are behaving, that we would be cautious but not afraid. Lord, we just pray, Lord, pray for this pandemic. We pray for these vaccines. We pray, Lord, that um, we may see things start to change. Lord, by your grace, will you come and move in this, in this town, in, this, in our lives in this country, in this world, Lord, that there may be a shift. Lord, we, so much change, Lord, with Brexit and all sorts, but Father, you are above it all. And so, Lord, we thank you for your sovereignty in all these things. And we just commit these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.